Hello, welcome to Drop Songs, episode two, the show where we reclaim the lost treasures and hidden gems of the alt-rock era. Let's get things started out right. Here is the Rosenbergs with Soaked in Polyester. Drift 
that was the Rosenbergs with Soaked in Polyester. That was off their debut EP called Ameripop, which came out in 1999. Uh, I can almost guarantee you have never heard that song before. This is definitely one of the deeper cuts of the show. Uh, 100% independent release. I'm almost positive they've never been played on any radio station ever, except maybe something in like a college station in the New York area or something like that. Uh, but the story of the Rosenbergs is this. They came out of the New York City scene uh, in the late 90s. They formed in 1999, the same year this EP came out. Uh, David Fagan and Evan Silverman were the main guys uh, in the band. They kind of cycled through. Uh, a lot of drummers and b- bass players. I think David said he had to go through a new bass player every six months or something like that. So definitely journeyman of the New York City uh, sort of indie rock scene at the time. Um, and this EP, you know, uh, I, how did I find this EP? I think I found it via a music blog back then. I was in high school at the time when this came out. I have a distinct memory of listening to listening to this EP um, going to take the SAT test at St. John's Military Academy right around 2000, 1999, somewhere around then. Uh, but that that an image of taking that test with all these cadets and there's like five of us civilians there taking the test, it was very intimidating and actually I did quite poorly on that version. I had to go back and take it again to get a better score. Uh, but that sort of like fused in my mind with this EP. I was obsessed with this with this group back then because I was... There's something about this band that, you know, I compare them a lot to Fountains of Wayne, uh, which is another band from the New Jersey, New York area who did the power pop thing uh, during this time period. And where uh, Fountains of Wayne got a lot of recognition, uh, the Rosenbergs were completely forgotten after I think their first album came out. I mean, even that album didn't really pop off that much. They kind of became semi-famous not for their music, though. So um, after this EP came out, Ameripop, in 99, uh, they're going to put out their first album, Mission U. Um, and they ended up sort of having this weird um, fight with like, a, it was like a new TV show that wanted to sign new bands. Uh, David Fagan, I think, got really upset with the, the contract clause or essentially they would owe all their music. He wrote this really long email. The email went viral. Napster found it, if you remember Napster. Um, they found it loved his attitude and how he was fighting back against the music industry. And they offered to pay for 25,000 extra copies of the CD. So when you got the CD of Mission U, it would have two copies, one for you, one for your friend. Kind of a weird, interesting little marketing play that they did. Unfortunately, the music industry did not take kindly to that partnership. And the Rosenbergs were essentially blacklisted. Um, from a lot of independent venues, no one will play them on the radio. Uh, and so they were kind of in a really tough spot almost uh, Im- basically immediately when their first album came out, and they never really recovered. And so that's what one of the reasons why, you know, I think this song has really been lost because they actually put Soaked in Polyester on Mission to you, their first, uh, their debut album as well. But because of the Napster thing, you know, a lot of pr- people may have heard it back then through the grapevine, but you would never heard on the radio, nothing on MTV, and they probably wouldn't even play local venues near you because they were banned because of this Napster thing. So um, a kind of really tough situation for the band, you know, why is, why is Soaked in Polyester a drop song? One, I think it's probably one of my favorite power pox, pop songs ever written. Um, I'm definitely a sucker for this type of music, but there's something about this song, Soaked in Polyester, where I don't know what it is. It's the the gorgeous, warm, overdriven guitars, this sort of cheap 
uh, cheap trick level sugar high chorus. It's just like it, it really hooks you in. That's what power pop is all about. It's all about the hooks. And this song is just filled with them. Um, the little cooing and the, and the after the chorus, uh, there's the breakdown and they come back for the, the chorus one more time. It's almost like they know the chorus is so good. They're doing an encore for the chorus. Uh, some great guitar solos. I mean, really all the great primary elements of, of power pop is here. And it just, it just all clicks at the same time. Um, and I, it blows my mind because it's, uh, this song is so good and like, nobody's ever heard of this thing. Um, to give you some examples of why nobody's ever heard of it. Uh, it has six K streams on Spotify, 6,000 streams, which I'm surprised it's even on because this is like a pretty independent label that this was released on in 99. Um, it only has 60 Shazams, which is a new thing I'm looking at to try and figure out if something is really popular or not. Uh, compare that to the top song of 1999 in the alt rock world. Uh, Lit's My Own Worst Enemy has 2.5 million Shazams to uh, Soaked in Polyester 60. Uh, there's not even a Wikipedia article for the Rosenbergs. A lot of the information I found about them was through just an interview that David Fagan uh, did. He's still active in, uh, in, I think, the New York scene, still making music. Uh, but the Rosenbergs kind of went bye-bye um, after their second album, uh, Department Store Girl, came out. Uh, so yeah, very short lived bands, kind of a business deal gone wrong. Uh, and why didn't this click back then? You think, you know, besides the business stuff and the Napster thing, you know, why didn't this, you know, keep in mind in 99, 2000 Napster was around mp 3s were around mp3.com, stuff like that. You could find interesting, great music, uh, if you wanted to. Uh, it just 1999 was a tough spot for a power pop. I mean, if you look at the top songs in the alt rock world, then like I mentioned, Lit's My Own Worst Enemy. The top 10 of the year is like Orgy, Blue Monday, uh, Creed 1, Blink-182, What's My Age Again, Dave Matthews Band, Crush, uh, Limp Biscuit Rearranged, Blink-182, All the Small Things, uh, Creed Higher, Corn Freak on a Leash, and Sugar Ray Every Morning. Those are the top 10 uh, songs played on alt radio, alt radio in 1999. So yeah, it, there was no power pop. That was just not a style of music that was getting played on the radio at all. And so obviously that had a lot to do with it. I think another thing too, in a band I previously mentioned is Fountains of Wayne. You probably have heard of Fountains of Wayne uh, because Fountains of Wayne had a big hit in the fall of 2003 with Stacy's mom. Uh, which is, you know, another a great power pop song um, that went to number 21 on the Hot 100. Uh, so, you know, only a few years later here from the Rosenbergs. Um, but that's all. I mean, power pop just wasn't a thing. I think its heyday was probably in the late 70s. Um, but yeah, and the, the turn of the 21st century, no one was sort of listening to this sort of stuff. Um, but then, and that's too bad because I think not only is this song fantastic. Um, Ameripop is really a great EP, but their first album, Mission U, is just phenomenal. And we're actually going to close the show uh, with another track off that album just because I love it so much. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is this song is exactly why we do this show. This is a song I guarantee you've never heard before that it should have been a top top 10 alt rock song in 1999 it's that good but uh through a whole variety of misfortunes uh that did not come to pass uh and here we are let's slow things down a bit here are pernice brothers with how to live alone simple grace you might blow away 
Pernice Brothers with How to Live Alone. Uh, that was off their 2003 album, Yours, Mine, and Ours. Uh, what a voice. Uh, I had a chance to see Joe Pernice, who you heard singing there. Uh, in 2003, I was randomly uh, in Dublin. I think I was studying abroad at the time. Uh, I was there for the weekend. The person I was traveling with, she was like, hey, don't you like this guy? Uh, and I was like, hell yeah, let's go to the show. And there's like 20 people at this show in Dublin. 
and it was fantastic. His voice is just as good live as it is on record. And I got to to meet with him and talk to him without afterwards. Really nice guy, very down to earth. Uh, but Joe Pernice and his brother Bob Pernice started Pernice Brothers in 1998. They put out their first album, Overcome by Happiness, on Sub Pop, the sort of the famous indie label, uh, in 1998. Uh, and then their next record uh, came out in 2001, The World Won't End. They're, they're both fantastic records, but that one was not on Sub Pop. That one came out on uh, Pernice's own label, Ashmont Records, which is interesting because I think that was a turning point for the band and kind of maybe their popularity. Um, this album came out in 2003. It was their third album, Yours, Mine, and Ours. Um, and these albums did nothing outside the Indian scene. I mean, Yours, Mine, and Ours had like a little blip on this chart called the UK Independent Album Chart. Uh, it was it came spent one week at number 34 in 2003. Uh, that's not nothing to write home about. I mean, that's kind of just a little blip on the radar. Uh, nothing was played on the radio really outside college radio. Um, nothing on, on the main alt rock stations, nothing like that. It was featured in an ad, but in 2009, so six years later in a painting, uh, Sherman Williams painting ad. Uh, and that was the song weakest shade of blue, which is also a great song. Uh, and that actually has the most streams on Spotify because of that 700,000. So I couldn't feature that song too many streams on Spotify for me to, to, to make an official drop song. But this one, uh, only has what 35,000 streams. So hardly anybody's heard this song before at least recently. Um, you know, the Pernice brothers, you know, after this third album, they kept recording. Um, they had, let's see, discover a lover, lovelier you in 2005, live a little in 2006, goodbye killer in 2010 and spread the feeling in 2019, all on Pernice's label, Ashmont records. So super indie stuff. Uh, so why is how to live alone a drop song? One, we already talked about the, the, uh, the vocals here, unbelievably gorgeous and beautiful. Uh, so smooth and warm, um, kind of like a kind of sounds like a crooner, Joe Pernice, like a, a, definitely a throwback. And that might be one of the reasons why I didn't really connect with a lot of people back then. Uh, it has sort of a 60 Motown, uh, Motown hook, vocal hook to it. Um, definitely, again, throwback. Uh, I think it's some of those beautiful music I heard from this era, like early 2000s, that whole indie scene that was going on before indie really became popular which happened, you know, to me, indie became popular like 2003 when it was started, like Seth on the OC started talking about bands like Death Cab for Cutie and The Walkman. But that's didn't really translate to mass audiences. I don't think until like probably 2007, 2008, when the shins got really big, all of a sudden out of nowhere, it felt like that's when indie sort of crossed over. So Pernice Brothers, despite the fact that they like, you know, they kept making music, these these first three albums were kind of when indie was really indie uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and like, there's so many hidden gems like this song. This whole album is filled with beautiful, lush, like pop crooner songs um, that I think people are missing out on. Like it's and the thing about this type of music. There's a mass appeal here. Like, you know, a 65 year old grandmother and like a 15 year old can both love this. I mean, it definitely has a very palatable stuff. Uh, so unfortunate that like not a lot of people have heard of it. Um, like I said, uh, how to live alone only has 35,000 streams on Spotify versus 52 million for a song like creeping is caring, uh, or sorry, carry <laughs> caring is creepy by the shins, which is kind of like a, a side song on that album. It's not even like new slang and has 52 million plays. And this is like 35, 35K, like it's so weird to me how some bands just became massively sort of semi-famous. Like no one in the shins is going to be in People magazine or like Us Weekly, which I read. Um, but 
they're still like incredibly well known, especially among, you know, I don't even like music people, music nerds or something. Who are the 52 million people that are listening to Caring is Creeping? Uh, I mean, I've certainly listened to it many times, but it doesn't, that's a lot of people and a lot of streams. Uh, and it's just like so crazy that a song like How to Live Alone is only at 35,000 streams. Let's go to Shazam's, my, my favorite new metric. Uh, 319 Shazams total for this song, which is just, that depresses me a lot. That means no one, like no one's heard this in a very long time. Um, never charted in the US or UK, this song specifically, uh, obviously the album charted for a week on a very sort of niche indie, uh, chart in the UK, but nothing in the US at all. Um, it probably got some play on, uh, not this track, but the album got some play on like KEXP in Seattle and maybe in like a couple other large cities at the college radio stations, but nothing else besides that. Uh, I think that another sad, uh, stat for this song, which definitely makes it a drop song for its lack of recognition is, uh, the, uh, YouTube version of this track has been up for eight years on YouTube there. It only has 1,500 views. So people, get out there. Listen to this song. Spread the good news about Pernice Brothers. They are a wonderful band with uh, an entire catalog you can celebrate uh, through and through. Um, so, yeah, high-quality song, lack of recognition, you know, a prototypical drop song, which is why we do this, sharing music you probably have never heard before or haven't heard in a long time, uh, kind of reclaiming these hidden treasures of the era. Um, why did this, why is this a drop song in terms of why did nobody sort of listen to this back then? I think ultimately it comes down to a couple of things. One, not being on sub pop after the first album had to hurt them. I have no idea what happened there. Um, Pernice Brothers feels like, like the, the paradigm of a sub pop band. I mean, perfect, um, amazing, beautiful music that eh, is kind of a little bit of a niche. Um, just cause the way it sounds, it definitely sounds old. Um, but I think when they left sub pop, something happened where they didn't have the marketing push or the PR muscle to really get these songs on the radio station or out to the right college stations or something. It, it sounds just like a marketing problem. Um, cause when you release your record on your own, you have to do all of that work. And, you know, people don't realize that even if you make a great music, nobody's ever going to hear it unless you have people to push it. Uh, and that means like marketing types and PR types. And like, you know, sometimes they might not, they might be a little sleazy types of people, but like they have, uh, they have a part in the whole eco ecosystem of like how music is shared and consumed and how you hear it. And a lot of the greatest bands you've ever heard were there because there was some guy pushing it to, uh, or paying payola or whatever to a, you know, the, your local radio station guy, like kickbacks, essentially. It's just part of the game, um, for better or for worse. Uh, and like Prentice Brothers, are, we're never going to play that game. Like they're just not the types to do that. They're like, they love making music. Obviously they, they kept doing it. Uh, they have all these other bands that they do too. Uh, but they didn't really probably want to do it really to get famous. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why a lot of people have never heard this song. Um, I think too, uh, the, the type of music here, you know, we talked about Rosenberg's and the power pop thing kind of being out of time, releasing that soaked in polyester in 1999. I mean, this is even further out of time. Like I, what would you place this at like the sixties or seventies? It kind of reminds me of like Eddie Arnold from like the early fifties, a country artist, you know, beautiful, warm voice. Uh, but the song type and music type just was not popular. Uh, in 2003 at all. I think the only way that this would have become 
um, sort of a mass appeal song is if it came out later. Like, you know, I think if it came out 2007, 2008, when indie really had a foothold into radio and album sales and iTunes and stuff like that, it would have maybe had a much better chance. I mean, the Weakest Shade of Blue did become a commercial song in 2009, so there definitely was an appetite for the type of music. It's just this came out too early. So a lot of factors went into uh, How to Live Alone by Prentice Brothers becoming a drop song. Our last drop song of episode two here is from a band called Centromatic. Here is Biology Tricks. Rearrange hope on the sediment feet and hide the new masters store them away all held on tape loops it's just like you do it's just like you do it's just like you do the theater is brimming the buzz with excitement on crimson cushions the squirm and they wait you're asleep in your trailer it's just like you do it's just like you do it's just like you do Centromatic with Biology Tricks off their 2003 album, Love You Just the Same. Uh, Centromatic is a really interesting band. So it started in 1995 uh, as a side project of Will Johnson. And Will Johnson, uh, there's a quote here I have. He was called one of the most prolific artists in American indie rock. That is quite the title. Um, Will Johnson had his hat hand in a lot of different bands. He's put out eight solo records. Obviously, Centromatic put out a ton of records. This is actually their seventh record that they put out. Uh, Love You Just the Same. Yeah, seventh record in their seventh year of existence. Um, and they put out four more records, and eventually they disbanded uh, about a, a decade ago in 2014. Um, but Will Johnson is part of sort of the Denton music scene, Denton, Texas. Uh, Denton, Texas is, is famous and its music scene is, is very famous, 
uh, and has been for like the last 50, 60 years. It all kind of started uh, with the University of North Texas there in Denton. Uh, they had offered the first major in jazz studies. That's where people sort of pinpoint as it being an epicenter where, where musicians would move to. Uh, and Denton's just north of uh, Dallas, so it's kind of the Dallas metropolitan area. Um, but Denton, you know, in 2008, Pace Magazine called Denton the best music scene in the United States. In 2014, the Huffington Post listed Denton as the number one emerging, emerging cultural spot in Texas to visit. Uh, while referring to Denton as practically an indie band factory at this point. So Met, uh, Centromatic was a part of this whole scene. Um, you know, this album came out in 2003. There wasn't a lot of fanfare behind it. Uh, I got a really good review um, in Pitchfork, which meant a lot in 2003. Uh, that was kind of the heyday of Pitchfork being sort of the tastemaker that was around when Broken Social Scene became huge because of the review uh, for You Forgot It in People and also like Arcade Fire. Uh, I think one of the reasons that got huge is because of the Pitchfork review back in 2004. So Centromatic got a, a great review for Love You Just the Same. Uh, what did they say? There's a quote here I have. Uh, Please help Centromatic deservedly outsell Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams was becoming big at the time in sort of that alt-country-ish world. Uh, and a lot of people didn't like them, but they liked bands like Centromatic a lot uh, because they seemed really chill and friendly and just like a group of friends making really cool music. Um, but they, they very hardworking bands. So they toured all over the country many times. They toured internationally. Uh, they put out tons of records, obviously, like I had stated. And, and it did kind of feel like a group of friends just coming together to make great music from a really cool music scene. Um, and this album, this whole album, let me just the same is really a great listen. Um, you know, why is this considered a drop song? I mean, I listened to this song biology tricks on repeat when it came out, but then like in the last couple of years, um, I just remember coming back to this, this album, this song over and over again, there's something about it that just clicks. I mean, it's the, the sort of, the ramshackle vocals, the the beautiful um, but gritty you know guitar work, it just it feels like um, a, a fantastic, wonderful alt rock uh, song. I mean, it's just one of those things that and I, I, the the thing about alt country too is that you can get the style right of alt country. It's not that hard to imitate, but it is hard to write a really good alt country song. And one here that's obviously tinged with a lot of indie rock elements as well. It was just a, a great mixture of genres and it's just a really tight, well-written song. Uh, and, you know, that's to Will Johnson's credit. Uh, he's a great songwriter and always has been. So wonderful song. Um, let's go to the sort of the lack of recognition part. I mean, Syndromatic is just one of those bands where if you weren't around back then and you weren't into indie music, you would never hear this band just because they didn't get massive outside that Denton scene. I don't think, I mean, certainly people like saw them and went to their shows, um, you know, all over the country and I, I, all over the world. They talked about like, you know, touring the UK and Germany and people would, you know, they'd sell out shows there. So certainly they, they were popular, but it was a very sort of small group of people worldwide that, that knew and loved this band. Um, so Spotify plays for this one, uh, 21,000 Spotify plays for this song, which you know is a travesty, uh, versus something like kind of similar ish. I picked out my morning jackets, one big holiday off their big album, 2003 album, same year. Uh, it still moves. Um, that has 14 million streams on Spotify. And then of course, Shazam's 35 Shazam's for this song. So of all the songs I think that we're, we're talking about today, this one, 
uh, at least on the Shazam uh, um, metric, is the least known. Um, you know, why do we think that that happened? Why didn't this pop off? It got a good review in Pitchfork, which was like you're you're the gatekeeper to becoming more famous. I think the big thing here for me when looking at Centromatic is, um, you know, the type of the type of song this was kind of like alt country indie rock just wasn't huge in 2002, 2003, even in the indie scenes, it wasn't, that was more of a nineties thing. I feel like, um, with bands like sun vault and you know, the aforementioned, uh, Ryan Adams, whiskey town, uh, that was definitely more of a mid to late nineties thing. And so by the early two thousands, that had faded a bit. Um, but I'd like to like, I always look at like counterpoint bands to figure out like, you know, why did Centromatic not go, uh, to the places like a band like Band of Horses did. So Band of Horses, you don't know them. They started in 2006, so a little bit later than this band, right? Uh, similar sounds, kind of alt-country-infused indie rock. Uh, but they've had a huge success since then. They had a glowing review in Pitchfork in 2006. And they went on to be on the alt-rock charts in 2008. They've had five radio hits since then. Uh, and they had a number one uh, this year uh, on the adult alternative uh, chart uh, with a song called Crutch. Uh, another band too that kind of reminds me of Centromatic would be like Fleet Foxes. They debuted in 2008. They took off right away. Uh, one of their songs, uh, White Winter Hymnal, has 146 million listens on Spotify. Uh, other bands like Local Natives, Rogue Wave, and I mentioned The Shins before on the show. These are kind of like indie bands that, uh, especially like uh, Band of Horses and Fleet Foxes, you know, started after Centromatic. And, um, I think, you know, this, this kind of talks to a huge divide that I mentioned a little bit before the early two thousands was, you know, a great time for indie music and indie alt rock and all its, you know, various sub genres. Um, but it still felt like a subculture, uh, until the mid two thousands. I talked about the OC being like a thing, but that didn't really translate all that much to like record sales or radio play for in, you know, the Walkman or something like it just didn't happen. Um, but it wasn't, I think around 2007, 2008 is where it really started to change. I looked to like something like the shins, uh, they put out uh, phantom limb, uh, which is one of their first single off of wincing the night, uh, wincing the night away. Uh, that went into the top 100 uh, in the Billboard 100. That's like a pop chart um, that broke into the there, and then that album went to number two in all albums uh, in 2007. So like the, you know, the Shins going from a very tiny band that had a, a small following in the early 2000s, they transitioned over and became a big alt rock band. Uh, band of Horses we talked about before. Uh, their second album in 2007 went to 35 on the album chart. So there was a lot of success to be had for this sort of type of band if you could make that crossover. The big question to me is why did Centromatic not make that crossover? They kept making music. They made music all the way through 2014. So it wasn't like they didn't have the the albums to sort of put out or the singles to put on the radio. I, I think the big thing for me here is that kind of like it was a double-edged sword being from the Denton uh, music scene and kind of being all friends with each other, which sounds great. That sounds like a really healthy uh, environment to play music in. It feels like a healthy band relationship. But the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was that like they felt pretty comfortable in that world and it didn't seem like, 
you know, and this might be me reading into it too much. Um, they didn't seem like they wanted to break out from that world. And like what they were doing was kind of what they wanted to do. They weren't looking for fame or they weren't looking to have a song in the top 40 on alt rock radio. And they never went or tried. I don't think they tried to get a major label or anything like that. They kind of stuck on the indie, the indie path here. Um, and I think, you know, on the one hand, that's great because they ended up making a lot of great music over their career. Um, the downside to it is like not a lot of people have ever heard their music. And I think like a song like biology tricks is something that, you know, I would say is one of the better indie alt rock songs that I have heard. Um, but it's just, you know, it's kind of gathering dust out there in the streaming world, which is just, I think too bad. And so it's always an interesting sort of paradigm or conundrum when you're a band it's like do you want to become famous why are you doing it i think centromatic did it because they love to make music and that kind of reminds me of the pernice brothers too like they're doing it because they're good at it they like doing it and the other stuff the radio the fame the payola the marketing the pr just doesn't matter to them and you know on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand, you know, not a lot of people are going to hear any music then. So it's kind of a, it's a big choice to make. Um, and I think of all of these bands, you know, kind of to wrap up episode two of Drop Songs, you know, um, you know, the Rosenbergs, you know, I think had that desire for fame. You know, you don't make power pop music unless you want it on the radio. I would say, right? I mean, that's definitely something you're making that type of music for a very specific reason, I would say. And the Rosenbergs wanted to branch out and get on radio and stuff like that. It's just they took a bad business deal with Napster and it, it really scuttled their entire career from there. And they never really recovered. Uh, they never got on a, a major label or anything like that because, you know, they, they made a deal with the devil, essentially. And then, you know, you look at Pernice Brothers who were on Sub Pop. And then, you know, for whatever reason, either they got dropped or they decided to leave and do it on their own label. They lost access to all the radio stations, all the PR, all the marketing. So they lost access to that sort of major label world in the radio world. And Central Matic, I think, was cool with just playing, you know, uh, to smaller crowds, but selling them out and like having a really small passionate fan group and they you know kind of make music when they want to um and they kind of lived in their own little world but uh, the thing that that kind of connects all of these to me is sort of this curse of indie like the curse of not going for a major label and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all like um you know, I make music It's no one ever hears the music I make, right? Like, but I still do it and love doing it. It's probably my favorite hobby. Um, so I understand the artistic impulse, um, to sort of just make music and do it for yourself or do it for your friends or do it for your small group of fans. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, if you make great music, don't you want people to hear it? And all three of these songs are amazing. I would call them alt rock songs that should have been on the radio. And I think every single one of them could have easily been a top 40 hit on alt rock radio back in the the early two thousands, but they weren't and hardly anybody's ever heard of them. And so it just sort of begs the question, you know, if you're making great art, do you have an opportunity or responsibility to share it with other people? Thanks for listening.
true.